for choosing this podcast. This is Coming Out Stories with me, Emma Goldswell. It's brought to you by What Goes On Media, and we bring you inspiring LGBTQ plus stories every fortnight. This episode, you're going to hear from Rob. He's a travel expert, and you may have seen him on TV in the UK, on Rip Off Britain or Morning Live. He identifies as gay and says he's been that way for a long time. I think I always actually knew, which I know sounds a little bit ridiculous, but ever since I can remember, I always found men sort of attractive, even pre-puberty. I think I think it is actually possible, mm. uh, to be honest. And my friends were always girls growing up. That was always how it was. I was identified more with sort of like female characters. And I always knew I was different in that way. I also used to sort of dress up as a girl from a very, very young age, yeah, always. Where did you source your clothing from? Well, my best friend, since I was three, and we are still friends now, my best friend is actually uh, is actually trans, but we've grown up with each other because our mothers were best friends. And we used to swap clothes. So Katie was my best friend growing up, and I would put on Katie's clothes, and Katie would put on my clothes. As soon as we finished school, we'd do it. I'd be called Sally, and Katie would be called Christopher, and our mums would take us to sort of Tesco's and B&Q, and, you know, they'd call us, call me Sally. And they called Katie Christopher and they'd go along with the whole thing all the time. So, yeah. And they were totally accepting of it then, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I talked to my mum now and I was like, you know, because my mum will get onto it, but always said she didn't know. And um, I was like, well, how could you not know? Like I dressed up as a as a girl, like throughout the majority of my childhood. And she just said that she thought I was theatrical. So uh, that was it. When I used to go to play school as well, my mum would drop me off and she said, you know, the first thing I would do would be to run to the dressing up box. And I remember it had, they had like a peach satin, I mean, really gross looking back on it, but peach satin, <laughs> like bridesmaid's dress. And I put it on as soon as I got to play school, I keep it on the whole time. And I also used to have like, there was a pink tricycle that I used to go around outside on the uh, little playground on. <laughs> Sounds like an idyllic childhood, right? Oh, it was great. I had a time of life. lived my best life. It was wonderful. And I'm really guessing that none of the other kids, certainly at that age at nursery, didn't bat an eyelid, did they? They're probably just no. like, oh, here comes Rob in his pink satin bridesmaid's dress on his pink trike yeah absolutely I mean it was it was a great childhood in that way and I think I was so innocent in what I was doing I don't even think I really had a realization of sort of like the world around Mm. me might actually know that I was you know actually a boy I mean on that note I remember going to to a supermarket with my parents and Katie who was dressed up as Christopher and I was dressed up as Sally and and Katie actually said to the uh, the person at the checkout he's a boy and pointed right at me and I actually had like a, a, a boater hat on a straw boater with a, a a Laura Ashley sort of like patterned scarf hanging off it that was blowing in the breeze and I remember <laughs> feeling absolutely mortified at the time because I really genuinely thought that probably the person at the checkout thought I was actually a girl so yeah I had uh, I had a very sort of playful childhood very very playful with my gender to be honest but and so they outed you at the checkout outrageous out check out tesco's yeah oh my god <laughs> it's interesting isn't it that um your f- friend ended up being trans because it must, yeah. be diffi- must be difficult for parents because i guess if it was more recent times parents might be picking up signs and thinking oh is my child gay but actually oh does my child identify as a different gender but i'm guessing this was a while ago and probably your parents weren't thinking about trans or yeah so so I'm actually coming up to my 40s now and this was a lot so this was quite a long time 
ago. And actually, my friend only really came out as trans about eight years ago. So there was a long, the long part of their life when they didn't really know what they were themselves, to be honest. It takes a long time to sort of realise sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, it took me a while to realise that I, you know, I really was gay. And that that realisation, even though I said to you that I did always feel different, the realisation of gayness really came when I hit puberty. So... And at that stage, were other people picking up on your difference or, or your gayness? Were other people at school commenting on it? Or Yeah, I mean, I went through school getting... Pe- not not primary school, I must say, but um, I think everyone in primary school, I went to quite a small primary school, and I think really, looking back on it, everyone was just was like, okay, that's just Rob, that's just what he's like. Um, but it wasn't until I went to the big bad world of secondary school that things really changed, mm. and then the bullying started, and I was different, and I really tried to change myself. And I remember looking back on that, and I was almost a little bit devastated that I had to sort of like get rid of my Barbies, stop wearing dresses and stop sort of like exploring that side of myself and I uh, got to secondary school sorry I tried to change the way I spoke so I used to talk in this like really horrible deep um, voice which must have sounded absolutely ridiculous I tried to change the way I walked so I would walk like I thought a sort of alpha male should walk none of it worked at all but I really really tried so ardently hard to change every aspect of myself and that's really damaging for for your well-being right yeah absolutely I mean I, I think I was quite a strong character but looking back on it I really do feel quite sorry for myself because I also know that there's probably other other kids out there that are doing the same and really don't feel like they can be themselves and don't feel like they're in safe environments where they can express themselves to be what they really are and even now still I still actually have problems with the way I speak I really don't like listening to what my voice sounds like and sometimes you know I will pick up the phone and and someone will will call me miss or missus and I don't think I sound like a a female when I talk no. but people do sort of I, I don't know why but I get called like ma'am quite a lot on the phone especially if I go to America because I travel quite a lot and I, I, American hotels they always call me ma'am over the phone and I don't know why but it really, really makes me cringe and wince inside and I hate it. And then I start talking right with a deep voice like that. Oh. And it's just really like, and it takes me back to that moment. It, it's amazing how I'm nearly 40 and it still really impacts me now. Absolutely. Well, it's it's your formative years, isn't it? It's your teenage years mm. where you're forming your personality and deciding who you want to be for the rest of your life. And you're being told by other people at school that what you want to be and who you who you are is wrong I mean was it did it ever get physical or was it more words that the people were using it was mostly words um but there were physical fights as well and luckily you know I could actually hold myself in a fight to be quite honest ironically even though I used to prance around in a dress I really could hold myself in a fight against the hard nuts in the school so I think that was quite surprising sometimes but yeah I just it was there was a lot of you know horrible hate cruel words I remember probably for about two years actually um, every single morning when I walked into school I knew two boys would hang out of a top window and as I walked past them spit at me and then call me Perf or fag or you know it was horrible horrible names and that was every single day for two years and it was terrifying and it was also destroying inside and did you ever try and report it to a teacher or tell your mum? No. No? no, not at all. Mm. I felt so ashamed of it. I didn't want to tell anyone about it. 
Mm. Um, so sometimes I used to talk to my friends about it, but again, by those points, I wasn't actually out at that time. So it was really, it was almost impossible to say these people are calling me these, you know, horrendously homophobic words because I didn't want at the time, because I was hiding myself so much, I didn't want people to start thinking, oh, hang on, they might be saying that because he is actually gay. So it was a really, really like isolating time for me, to be honest. And a lot of secondary school was filled with complete and utter angst, to be honest, because I wasn't exploring who I really was and I was completely suppressing it. And where are they now, I wonder? Well, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I try to think about them as little as possible, to be yeah. honest. But you, know. but you do hear about people who's like school bullies managed to contact them and apologise because they realise the detrimental effect that their words must have had. Well, absolutely, and that is beautiful. And I think, you know, we, as children, we all can look back on our childhood and think, oh, do you know what, I wish I hadn't done that, or I wish I hadn't been like that to that person. So, you know, there's always time to sort of make things right, isn't there? And mm. we learn from our mistakes, don't we? We do. So how did you go from that very insecure teenager in a very difficult place to being the out and proud gay man you are today? Well, I think when I was growing up, the internet definitely helped. Um, mm. I remember my dad first got the internet and then I started exploring online and I started looking things up and it just opened up a whole world to me. Uh, and I knew I was gay. I always knew I was gay, but it started, it just made me feel like things might be all right if I started opening up to people. And by this point, I was like 15 years old and I was really, really attracted to men and I wanted to have relationships as well. I, you know, I'd tried to have girlfriends. It just didn't work. I couldn't do it. It just wasn't in me, you know, and it became this thing that I couldn't, I couldn't ignore in the end. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of research as much as I could. I mean, the information back then was limited. The internet was very basic. But then also at the age of 15, I actually came out to the first person and that first Ooh. person was Katie. Yay! That's you now, Harry. But yeah, it was uh, uh, Katie at the time. And we went to a, to a house party, had some drinks. And I remember we were sat in the driveway of this uh, person's house that was having the party. And I told Katie and, and I said, well, I actually came out as bisexual because mm. I thought that coming out as bisexual was somehow a lot more acceptable because at that time I saw it as sort of like being half gay, which is kind of ironic because it's not, <laughs> first of all, it's not the way it is. And I think, you know, it was ironic that I thought it would be more acceptable because I think we, at the moment, especially, there's lots of education that can be done around bisexuality and people's understanding of bisexuality. But back then... Absolutely. Yeah, back then I thought that it was it would make it more easier to understand and I remember from that moment and obviously Katie was you know hugging me and fine and good old Katie it was wonderful and there was tears and everything but I remember we walked across we thought I mean we thought it was hilarious as well to be honest and we walked across this driveway and I walked across in the most outrageously sort of over-the-top camp manner of what I thought sort of like a gay man would walk like and (sighs) and Katie was walking along like probably like the most butch walk that she could possibly put on herself. And I think at that moment, and I always remember that moment, we were laughing our heads off at the time. And um, to some people, it might seem a little bit obnoxious because it's, you know, reinforcing like really negative stereotypes. But to us as kids at that time, 
it was sort of a display of how we were different to everybody else at that party. Yeah, and, and, it was, and it must have been very freeing for you because, as you said, you know, you've been bullied and told that you couldn't be who you wanted to be. So if you want to walk yeah. in a camp and flamboyant manner, then, you know, that obviously felt really fun for you to do. Absolutely. It was like one extreme to the other all of a sudden. And it was yeah. a very freeing, wonderful, liberating experience. But then, you know, after that, it really started a ball rolling and it was something that I couldn't keep inside anymore. And it, it was like like this sort of like beast had been unleashed inside me that I really couldn't tame any longer. So it did start a ball rolling and I did start talking to more friends. And like I said, all my friends were girls at school. I didn't hang around with the boys. They didn't want to hang around with me and I didn't want to hang around with them. But, um, you know, and I, I told quite a lot of girlfriends and it really did change my life. And I think that year as well, Queer as Folk was aired on TV. Uh... That's got a lot to answer for, isn't it? It's got a lot to answer for. I mean, Everybody moved to Manchester after watching that. I did. It was it was my uh, my my place of choice to go to university. It was the only reason why I wanted to go to Manchester because I thought oh, I'll go up the pink lights of Canal Street. But um, <laughs> I think from the age of fifteen, my life really did change, and I started to really explore who I was, and it was just the most wonderful, beautiful feeling in the world. And I remember I got to my school prom, and I I, I was I was so over school, and I was so glad that I didn't have to be there anymore. And prom in itself was was difficult because I couldn't really get a date because everyone was, you know, girls and boys together. And mm-hmm. all my girlfriends sort of like they had their own dates and no one sort of wanted to go with me. And, you know, Katie at the time didn't go to prom either because just felt really awkward about it and I didn't have anyone to go with so but I still went and I remember coming out to a friend at prom who actually then went and told her boyfriend so I was completely outed throughout the whole of my summer after school which was a bit of a shame because I hadn't actually told I'd only told sort of a select few friends of mine and did those girlfriends that you had told did they sort of protect you from the bullies did they were they aware about the bullying that was going on uh, I don't, to be honest, looking back on it, I don't think they were really aware of the bullying that was going on and mm. the, the fact that I had told them and they were so accepting. And I think there was like this sort of like, you know, confused intrigue around it because I don't think anyone really understood it, but everyone accepted it. And I think mm. they quite liked the fact that, you know, like one of their friends was a bit different and they always knew I was a bit different anyway. So in some ways it wasn't too much of a surprise, but I think, you know, the basics of it, they didn't really understand. But yeah, I mean, I was in a very very protective atmosphere and we always looked after each other anyway to be fair so um it can't be underestimated the power of actually if you are harboring something inside when you do get it out and when you do actually share it it changes everything doesn't it and it just it, it makes life so much more enjoyable and freeing it really does i mean the people that i've spoken to that have, have lived for any amount of time in the closet really it, it's incredibly damaging it's absolutely it's hard work isn't it it's, it's so- really hard work yeah absolutely I mean, like, you know, just having to hide anything about yourself and your true identity is something that should never really happen to anybody. It's such a right. shame that it does. And it still happens. Like, it still happens a lot. It does. So when did you um, do the big build up to telling parents then? So my parents, well, as I said, I was outed during the summer between leaving school and going to college. And and that summer was horrendous for me. I was riddled with anxiety. I lost so much weight. My parents thought I was ill. To be fair, I think it was bringing up memories of how school started for me. So I thought I was going back into an environment of hostility and bullying and sort of like non-acceptance of who I was. And also I lived in a fairly small town outside of Southampton. And I was terrified that if everybody at 
college knew everyone's parents were then going to know and my parents will find out as well mm. so I had to I was sort of forced to actually come out to my parents because I'd always been close to my parents and I'd always tried to drop hints with my parents about my sexuality I remember when Queer as Folk came out and I remember my brother was saying how disgusting it was and I think he was just going along with all the people at school what they were saying my brother is not a homophobe I mean mm. he might have been back then there's only there's only 19 months between us we were very similar in age we were at school at the same time um, and I think he was just sort of repeating what he was hearing at school without actually meaning it you know I tried to drop these hints I tried to have conversations and they were sort of always almost batted away a little bit to be honest funny enough mm. my parents which I was surprised about looking back on it but um I decided to um show them one night the film a uh, beautiful thing oh wonderful yeah Jonathan Harvey yeah Jonathan Harvey yeah um, yeah which is I mean I, I I studied the play actually when I was in college after I'd shown it to them and I really thought that it was, I mean, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful mm. film. It's a wonderful acting. And it it's just so heartwarming. And I just, and to me at the time, that nothing really had resonated with me that was sort of like out there in the media or out there in the public eye as much as that film. Um, and I identified, I found a lot of myself in that film. So I thought, but by showing them, I truly thought that by the end of it, I would be out proud and it's sort of accepted and we'd just be like skipping down the yellow brick road together as a family and celebrating everything together. Um, but I showed them the film and I remember as it started, my brother was was there in the sitting room as well and he went, turned around and went, oh, is this a gay film? <laughs> and I was being like, okay, this is this ain't going well here. And the film finished and my parents were like, oh yes, that was a very nice film, wasn't it? Right, let's all go to bed. And I really felt at that moment that um, my parents would just be like, okay, we get what you're trying to tell us. There's your message. Thank you very much. Let's move on from this. Everything's absolutely fine. But it wasn't like that at all. I think it's quite good for people to remember that sometimes when you are trying to give a message to someone about something that's very important to you, they might not always take it in the way that you want them to. Mm. Um, and I remember I went to bed that night and I just felt so riddled with anxiety and it just didn't go the way I wanted to. I was so disappointed. And I said to my mum, I said, could you remind me to tell you something tomorrow because there's something that I really want to tell you? And she said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And we went to bed and actually, funny enough, I mean, like bad timing, the next day was actually Mother's Day. Um, oh, I know. But fair it, enough. It's terrible, isn't it? I mean, like talk about choosing dramatic times to do it. But at that moment, at, in time I didn't care about the fact it was Mother's Day I hadn't even thought about that and I know that sounds really really selfish but it, it needed to come out drastically and it didn't matter about what what day it was what time of the year what hour it was anything it was it had to it had to come out mm-hmm. um and the next day went on and on and on and it felt like a, a really, really long day and no one spoke to me and no one said anything and no one asked me anything. And then I just had this massive breakdown towards the end of the day and, and my mum was like, my gosh, like seriously, what is wrong with you? What's happened? Tell me, talk to me. And I couldn't even speak through the, 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 the sheer sobbing and I was so, so upset. And my mum actually said to me, are you trying to tell me that you're gay? Because I was saying, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, I can't say it, I can't say it. She finally got the hint, yeah. Yeah, and Mm. she said it, and um, I said, yes. And she said, okay, don't worry, it's all right. When really I probably was expecting, I'd say, yeah, don't worry, we actually know, we've always known, which a lot of parents say, but she didn't. And like I said, my mother always says she didn't know, but it was the most freeing moment of my entire life. 
uh, to actually get that out. Uh, sometimes straight people live in such a straight world that they can't compute it and they don't read the signs do they and they don't they don't grasp it yeah I think that is exactly what happened in my my story because mm. my mum and dad I don't think they'd even really met a gay person or they hadn't well they must have done but they didn't know it they didn't realize they didn't yeah. have any gay friends like I said we lived in quite a small town there were no gay sort of like out people in that town and it just didn't really ever come into their realm to be quite honest mm. Mm. and how, how did your dad take it Absolutely fine. I mean, my dad's always been quite horizontal anyway. I think, you know, any dad that lets his uh, his son prance around in a, in a sort of like peach satin bridesmaid's dress when they're, when they're a little boy is pretty chilled out, to be honest. So mm. he was always fine. And my, my dad's reaction was my dad walked in his room and he was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with you? And my mum said, Robert's just told me he's gay. And my dad went, oh, OK, great. Does anyone want a cup of tea? That was it. That's the and that's wow. the really the only conversation I've ever really had to have with my dad because he wasn't at all faced by it, and neither was my brother. Funnily enough, I've probably given uh... a maybe a little bit of a bad impression of my brother, but he was always absolutely fine about it and always very much stuck up for me. Did you have a separate conversation with him then? No, I didn't. I never even had to. It's really funny. Um, the ones that I probably thought were going to be the most hostile towards it were actually the complete opposite, to be honest. It was a really lovely thing. And, you know, all of my parents and my brother are amazing allies of sort of like LGBTQ uh, people, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah, my dad and my brother, I've never had to have proper conversations with about it. And did you tell extended family then? Was that something you were wanting to do? We did. We so we told uh, we told my nanny, who was my mum's mum, mm. um, and she's always been quite a flamboyant character anyway. And the first thing she said was, "Oh well, I've always heard gay men are very nice to women who are over the age of 60. Uh, so that was that was her. <laughs> that was- this is a universal rule, is it? Well, I've not yeah. heard that one before, but yeah. Apparently so. Uh, but my nan and granddad, my mum made the decision that we would never tell them. They're no longer with us anymore. And I always look back on that with uh, real disappointment, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I think, first of all, they would have been fine about it. Um, but my mum always said that they were too old to understand. And I actually don't agree with that. And at the time, I mean, I was like, I think I was 16 by, yeah, I was 16 by this point. And I just sort of accepted it and went along with it. And at that yeah. time, I would have gone along with anything because I just felt so relieved that it, it was out. But looking back on it, it was the wrong thing to do. And my mum admits that as well, because it inhibited my relationship with my grandparents. Yeah. And it's a funny argument, isn't it? It's like they didn't have gay people in the old days. Well, you know, gay people have been around since the dawn of time. So, you know, plenty of absolutely. people have just cracked on and got on with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So, I don't think age is a barrier. Not at knowing. all. And I, I also think as well a lot of the time older generations are far more accepting of sort of like difference I think sometimes as well the older generation quite like to challenge themselves in some way and you'd hope wouldn't you that the older you get the wiser you get and the more tolerant you get and the more you just become a bit worldly wise don't you and you know I think well I like to think that I've I've got wiser (laughs) as I've got older I get wiser every day, I think, to be honest. And yeah, and I think that's a really important point you've made, actually, Emma. That Yeah, as you get older, you do get wiser. And that's the same for everybody. So what was it like then, you know, growing up and um, going out into the big wide world and launching your career? Um, I mean, you chose a profession that I'm going to say is quite gay friendly, would I be right in saying? 
I chose a profession that's very gay friendly. So yeah. I actually went up to, uh, I went to Manchester um, to go to university and I'd always wanted to travel. And I think after I finished college, I was so sick of education. I was desperate, desperate to travel. I wanted to take a year out. My parents said, don't take a year out because you'll never come back. You'll never go to university. And I was the first person in my family to go to university. So this was a big thing. Yeah. Um, and I went up to the bright pink lights of Manchester, which is, you know, my first choice of places to go because I just wanted to live the life of queer as folk. And I had yeah. the most wonderful time in Manchester, but I was also always desperate to travel. And I was so desperate to travel that I actually dropped out of university because by this point in my life, I'd never even stepped on a plane. I'd never been to a foreign country and I really wanted to explore the world. So I decided to try and forge a job into the travel industry, mm-hmm. um, which actually, as you said, is an extremely sort of gay friendly accepting um and diverse place to work I mean it's a diverse job you get to see the world you get to go to wonderful countries and do things that I did things I'd never even dreamed I'd ever do but yeah I do work in a very accepting environment I wonder why that is I'm just thinking out loud now is it because gay people have have a sort of wanderlust don't they and they like escaping and they like getting away and yeah I running think away that's... sort of I don't know yes I think I actually think running away is quite a lot of it but yes that wanderlust when you work in the airline industry you know I've worked in lots of different areas of the airline industry but predominantly as cabin crew which is where sort of my heart lies cabin crew can be quite a frivolous lifestyle in some ways as well there's a jollity about it as a job there's a huge party element to to it as a job as well and it's extremely sociable and I think as well you know over the years gay people have always been sort of conditioned to think well I'm never going to settle down and have a family so I might as well have this sort of like vocational job where it is actually my lifestyle and sort of differs from that you know like that that regularity of a nine to five does that that sort of make sense what I'm Mm. saying and it's I mean, it's a great job to do. It's wonderful. It gives you great opportunities. But it is also a very accepting place to work. And I think for all its faults, uh, the airline industry and travel, the travel industry in general, is, uh, it, it is a really inclusive place to be. Mm-hmm. Did you meet many straight? Um, flight attendants who were my loads own. yeah there's you loads do. of them yeah, yeah it's okay. it's also one of those jobs where it's a real perception that actually everyone's gay it's a bit <laughs> like yeah let's see about you know this old odd stereotype <laughs> views of hairdressers oh well they're yeah. all gay aren't they yeah. all their stewards are gay but it's actually not true at all <laughs> so, no. and they probably do very well for the women don't they the they really ones. do yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so would you say you're out and proud in all areas of your life now then Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't felt there's anything to hide for a very, very long time. Although I must say I do travel to a lot of countries where I do have to sort of like be more self-aware to be kind. Uh, Well, let's just talk about this briefly before we finish, though, because, you know, I would say that there are places that LGBT people do go on holiday where it isn't necessarily safe to go, is it? So where would you advise people to avoid or advise people to... I don't know, would you advise people to, to tone it down or change the behaviour of visiting That's, certain countries? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't advise people to tone it down anywhere. I do think we have to be culturally aware with some countries and, mm. uh, and, and I think that just comes from a level of respect of other cultures. You mm. know, I would love the world to be more open and tolerant of the LGBTQ community. But unfortunately, that is just not the case in a lot of countries. So if you are travelling to somewhere like Pakistan or 
Saudi Arabia or something like that. Which, well, and a lot of people will be going to Qatar for the World Cup, won't they? This is it. And, you know, Qatar has uh, has absolutely horrendous, well, they don't have the great greatest human rights records, do they? But, you know, mm-hmm. they, they absolutely are not at all as a country welcoming of LGBTQ people. However, one thing I will say about that is I've been to so many countries where even the, you know, being gay is, is punishable by death sentence. But a lot of the time, when you get to these countries and you actually speak to people at grassroots levels, your perception is completely challenged. And and it really is nice to actually really treat people as individuals that are not necessarily completely indoctrinated by the politics of their own country. You know, I remember going to Uganda and and I I went to a nightclub in Kampala and uh, I I was speaking to a group of of people and we were all getting on really well. And uh, I think one girl had, had... bit of an eye for me I could have probably you know like walked away from that situation and been like well actually Uganda has you know terrible terrible views on homosexuality I really I really should just not say anything and take myself out of this situation but I actually said to her I'm really sorry but I actually I'm more into boys and um, they were all like oh no worries that's absolutely fine no problem she actually said do you want to meet my brother and and I was like I'm really surprised by this because you know my mother's been terrified about the fact that I'm coming to Uganda as a gay man yeah. and they're like no don't always think that that mm. just because the politics of a country is necessarily representative of every individual of that country no now, am i saying that there's no problems in somewhere like uganda absolutely not there really really is and that's why you know thousands of gay people try to flee countries like that every single year and seek asylum in other countries because of their own personal safety but we do have to sort of challenge our stereotypes and perceptions of uh, of individuals in other countries sometimes. It's, you can't have this blanket view of... That's it. It doesn't matter what the law is, does it? There are LGBT people in every country on the planet Absolutely. and that's never going to change. You know? And there are always going to be allies in those countries mm-hmm. as well where the laws are horrific. Right, before we end, I always like to ask people uh, for advice. If you could uh, impart some of your worldly wisdom that you've gathered from globe trotting over the years as a travel expert. Uh, advice for all of the people who haven't come out yet. Though, what, so. Okay, advice for the people who haven't come out. Listen to yourself. Don't try to suppress it. Be kind to yourself and always try try to find someone that you can talk to, whether that is somebody in person, whether that is somebody sort of on the phone, whether that's somebody on, from a charity or in an online or some, something online. Just make sure that you find support for yourself because no one is alone in this life and everything will be okay eventually. There will always be someone around to love you for exactly who you are. Thank you so much, Rob. And then finally, I'm just going to add an extra on the end. What, what top tip for your favourite place to go on holiday as uh, a gay person? Oh, gosh. I mean, this is hard because I love everywhere in the world. Um <laughs> Mm, let me think actually as a gay person I love New York I think New York anyway is one of the it is one of the most diverse cities in the world and it's one of those places where I feel so unbelievably safe I feel safer in New York than I do anywhere else in the world and I think New York is one of those places that really accepts individuality and lets people be who they want to be and no one blinks an eyelid I am not going to disagree with you on that one and uh, Sam who I do the podcast with will love that answer as well because She's a big New York fan. And I've got to ask you about your state. Like, have you got a boyfriend? I have, yeah. I've got a partner. Yeah, eight years, been together. Yeah, not married, unfortunately. Unfortunately? It's very difficult when you're a 
it's a mixed race relationship, isn't it? And his culture is very different to to sort of like what I've grown up with. So, well, maybe one day. Never say never. Maybe one day. I just want to come in on a white horse wearing a sari for for our wedding. That's the only reason I want to get married. So, <laughs> our love is there. Everyone knows we love each other, so that's fine. But... <laughs> Thank you so much, Rob, for chatting to me. So great to hear about your fun childhood, swapping clothes with your best friend. Just made me think it's such a shame that most adults seem to lose that innocence and that playfulness with gender that young children just take to so easily. Oh, and by the way, if you've never seen Beautiful Thing, the play by Jonathan Harvey that was made into a film, rectify that immediately. You can have that as your homework. Oh, and don't forget, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, can you please rate us and review us? We would love some new reviews, so please do that if you can. Oh, and you can also chat to us on all the socials. That's uh, at Come Out Stories if you're on Twitter or Coming Out Stories Pod on Instagram. Next time round, you're going to hear from Jackson, who came out fairly recently as a trans man. He gathered the whole family together for a meeting and his dad tried to guess what he wanted to tell them he just like massively ended up putting his foot in it and you know what did he say can you remember it was like oh are you getting a puppy or are you pregnant are you this you that and then he was like you're not doing a sex change are you and it was just in jest it was a joke and and i just looked at him and i was like yeah